right, welcome to today's podcast, Friday, February 16th. Today will be much shorter than yesterday's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I am looking forward to going... I don't listen to all of these because a lot of this content like is in my head. I put it a bunch of places. I've written it down, so I I hopefully know it back backwards and forwards. But I'm looking forward to going uh, to listen to yesterday's episode so I can learn a little bit more from Dr. Jessica and my good friend Professor Kristen Blockowski. We have um, five things to get through here, and I'll try to get through them pretty quickly. First up. Now I know who Hannah Shaw is, and a lot of people seem super excited about Hannah Shaw coming. She is a a catfluencer. She is the kitten lady on, on I guess uh, across all socials, and I am super excited that my friends um, with the Toledo Animal Rescue, Steve and Michaela and the team are are the big sponsor of this. So she'll be here April twenty fifth, and um, no ticket information at the moment and uh, no location as well but april 25th um foster care training community workshop and a vip meet and greet and she is um uh, she is attractive i can pull my eyes away from the adorable kittens and look at her and she's got some badass tattoos and um whenever i go visit uh steve and the team and the toledo animal rescue which is right down the street from me off of um off of burn uh it's just past burn and the airport of the intersection of airport and burn. It's set back into the neighborhood a little bit. You know, I'm not a cat person. I'm not, not like anti-cat, but I guess, you know, we talked about personal experiences making us what we are yesterday. I never had fun, enjoyable cat experiences growing up. But it was always dog things. But when I go see Steve's team and, and, and the kittens and the cats that he has there, they are like super playful. Um, You know, like I stick my finger in there. I throw the yarn at them. They can walk through the crates, like, from one to, to the other. They follow me. They look at me. They talk. I don't know what it is, but he has got the most super fun, interactive cats. Like, I think that was always my thing, being a little anti-cat. or not, not real pro-cat. They were, like, they were just there, which is fine. Um, but these cats, they would give the dogs a run for their money. Uh, I've actually considered, um, because I would guess it... it you don't really have to train a cat like you do a dog. I have had the thought run through my head of I can get a cat because maybe the cat can just be independent um, and I can have another animal in the house and I don't have to worry about trying to train an animal and Andre getting in between us. Hannah Shaw on the 25th. Um, we'll get to the super, super serious things in just one second. So we'll start with, uh, we'll, we'll go to Caitlin Clark. I need you to do me a favor. Um, and if you're a gender wage gap person, um, I throw this specifically at you. Um, I think it's hard if you follow like any level of news, especially sports, you know, who Caitlin Clark is, uh, plays for Iowa. In fact, she scored a record amount of points last night and I'm glad this happened at home. It was a, a, an awesome an incredible and electric scene. She scored that record amount while achieving the women's college basketball scoring record. Um, she's averaging 32 points a game this year. Uh, this year, although I did look something up, and this is not to diminish anything from her, but like uh, offense is in vogue. Like people, fans, audiences, they want to see points. Nobody wants to see really good lockdown defenses. Um, scoring is almost out of control in the NBA. Um, the NFL. If you can't pass, you can't win. 
um, hockey has brought back scoring. So I'm guessing scoring is up as well in, in all college basketball. That that might be incorrect. But um, from like in the late 80s, there was, and I, I don't have her name off the top of my head, but she played at uh, Mississippi State. Um, she has actually in her career, uh, she played played about 20, 15 less games than Caitlin Clark um, and scored like 400 less points. But she averaged more per game in her career than Caitlin. And, um, sorry to get so sporty here. Back then, the th- now this woman was a, a forward. I don't know how big she was. But back then, the three-point shot was not part of the game like it is today. Um, I don't, if I had to look it up, or if I would say guess, I don't know if Michael Jordan, who was a good outside shooter, but by no means a a marksman like Steph Curry or Kevin Durant. Um, I don't know if he took three or four three pointers a game. Uh, like there, there's Steph Curry who, who who like makes six a game. So it's a different game. So I wonder had that woman had the opportunity in her game took more because I think she only made like thirty four. And Caitlin has made like 450. So I'm not diminishing Caitlin by any means, but um, time and context are important to, time and details are important to provide some context. Like, sorry, one more sports thing. Uh, Michael Jordan would score would score 50 points a game in today's and the recent NBA because in his years, like he was abused immediately getting into the lane. Now, you really can't touch anybody. All right. Oh, so um, do me a favor. Support Caitlin Clark when she goes to the WNBA. Um, well, the, and why, why that's important is the more people that follow and watch and get interested, the more money the league makes, the more money the players, especially the stars, make. Um, well... You can come up with excuses. It, one of the excuses can't be, well, it's it, I can't find it. It's not on. All like most of the WNBA games, all the big ones are are I think they're pretty much on ESPN throughout the course of the season, which is in the summer, and I get it's harder to watch things in the summer. But if you got caught up in the Caitlin Clark stuff, be a fan of her wherever she goes in, into the WNBA. Um there's no dunking, but that doesn't mean the skill is not something that you can't get into. And I will, the skill is, for the most part, is not what it is in the NBA. Different musculatures when it comes to men and women. But that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy what it is. I mean, look, many of us like women's tennis more than men's tennis. And the same thing applies men and women there. Um, and we love Venus Williams, so go love Caitlin Clark and and her contemporaries, one of which is a Toledo native, Zia Cook, um, who starred at South Carolina, won a championship. That team still hasn't lost this year. Um, it's a hell of a program. Uh, I think she's out with the L.A. Sparks now. So support these women. Um, the games are there to, to watch and so follow their college stardom. The other big star, I think, with LSU, that's that's Angela Reese. Like, she's a big-time star. So now that more places are giving these very talented women platforms, um, follow them. Follow their platforms. So the, so the biggest one they get, the, the WNBA, so they can make more money. Um, what's the next thing I wanted to do? I'll leave the, the really the theory for the end. 
Uh, last night, I went to the streets information meeting um, for, I guess, my district at the Heather Downs Glendale branch of the library. And I showed up and there was no parking. Somebody pulled out and I got a spot. There was no parking. People are passionate about the streets. The mayor was there. Um, Adam Martinez, a new councilman who will be on the podcast soon, was there. I saw my friend Nick Comives, who I haven't talked to in a whole heck of a long time. And, and I will, I'll tell you this now. I think Adam was responsible for the language in the um, call for the ceasefire resolution. And I know Nick had supported it. And I emailed Adam and I have to check the response he gave me. It was um, fair, um, even-handed, very lawyerly. Um, and I haven't really taken a whole, whole stance on that, that whole situation. But uh, Nick told me that there were um, Muslim people there. Um, and, and, and Jewish people as well. And, and people, people of both sides liked what it was. You said not everybody was happy, but really not everybody's happy for everything. So, uh, it was really well worded. Um, and as I told Adam, like as much as I'm Jewish, I am not in the camp of Israel gets to defend itself at all costs. I'm much more in the camp of, um, let's stop killing everybody except the really bad people. Um, and Israel is like doing this in like an indiscriminate way. So um, last night, Adam was, uh, I, I am more excited about the podcast we're going to do with him now after listening to him speak last night. Seems, seems like a really down to earth guy, um, just an every man here in South Toledo. Um, it didn't get real testy until the engineers started to speak about why some people get their streets fixed and not others. And they did a good job of it. Like, apparently, if you live near a school or a church, you're more likely to get, like, that's a good tiebreaker. In fact, the mayor made a joke. He's like, if you want your street fixed, build a church. <laughs> um, the the good temperaments did not last long. Things got got testy. And I, I had no idea... People were so against sidewalks because apparently when some people get new streets, uh, I guess their lawn that goes to the street will be ripped up and they will get a sidewalk. Um, when I heard them out, um, they're like, we're losing property. Um, what was the other? Oh, we have to shovel this. Okay. Um, my buddy Fred at WSPD, he said, these people just don't want to pay for the assessments. But last night, several people asked, am I going to be assessed? And several times the answer was no. And maybe that's because all this falls under the street fixing tax that we pay into. Um, I grew up as a kid riding my bike on sidewalks. Like I was going to get my ass kicked. I went out in the street. Um, sidewalks are great to walk on. Now, I understand if you are a person and you're getting a new street and you live in in a spot where nobody, like it's a cul-de-sac or something, like nobody comes through it except residents. I can understand you lose, like maybe there's not a need for a sidewalk because you can safely play and walk in the street. But elsewhere, um, we are trying to make, and many people agree, we need a more walkable community and we are trying to tie neighborhoods together. Um, not everybody wants to go walk to the Metro Park. Some people just want to walk their neighborhood. And I can gather it's a lot safer to walk on a sidewalk where you are far like far less likely to encounter a vehicle than in the street. Um, the other thing I guess people might be concerned about 
well, I guess there could be potentially a, a lot of things that they have issue with. Most of it goes back to um, just straight up nimbyism. But uh, I am I am pro sidewalk. Hey, you can look at it as hey, it's a little bit less of your lawn that you have to care for. So, um, and I'm still out here listening to things. And like I said, if if you live somewhere where nobody drives and goes, I would be maybe you shouldn't get a sidewalk. But some of the things we don't know are like. Maybe the deal we cut with whatever contractor with the city, the best prices were everybody gets a sidewalk. I, I, th- there are so many things that we don't know. And if there was, if I had one real criticism of last night, the engineers, and I think Doug Street, Doug Stevens is his name, who kept, kept going, he does the streets department for the city, kept going back to, this is policy that was decided on by city council in 2012. Well, that was 12 years ago. And we don't know like what all went into that. Some people said, well, policy can be changed. Some people yelled, policy can be changed. And and it can, um, but I would like to know a little bit more about that because I kept hearing well, that, it was this, it was the same copy and paste. This is the policy that was decided by city council. Like work me into that how and why, and maybe the decisions back then were were not as good as they could have. Again, we're twelve years is a long time. We've come a long way. We have AI now everywhere, and maybe we can bend some of those those policies. Um. So yeah, I, I the upshot, the takeaway here is I had no idea. I had no idea people were so anti sidewalk. Um, a couple more things. So the other day, I uh, I was able to grab chicken at Kroger for $1.99. It's usually $2.99, but since I got it for $1.99 not that long ago, I've kept my eye out for that price. That is, so that's 50% less. Sorry, my, my math on the fly is not great. Um, that's 50%, that's 50% savings. So you're goddamn right I stocked up. My, <coughs> my freezer has, um, a bag of frozen cherries, <clears throat> uh, some ice trays, the ice bucket, and the rest is filled with chicken. Um, and I see that you know the costs uh, of things are are still nutty, and I'm I'm glad to see that um, we all kind of agree that this is companies just charging whatever they can. I I got a bag of something the other day. Oh, it's a bag of halls, and it was a regular size bag. And I, I thought I picked up an empty bag. And maybe I'm being a little hyperbolic here, but I thought I picked up an empty, ba- empty bag because there was so little in it. So if it's not greedflation or shrinkflation, it's, it's shrinkflation. And I like to, I, I came across another word because we canflation, but we can stop that. And if you're going to complain so hard about it, why don't you do something that might be easier? Um, and I know there's a lot of like, well, my kid won't eat that. Like, or I don't have time to make that. Well, you got to make some adjustments. Like, because complaining about the prices is not going to bring them down. There, there's only, really the only thing that's going to bring them down. Because I, I can tell you this, um, regardless of who is president, whoever leads Congress, Senate, House, local, state level, there is no policy that is likely to bring down all these prices we are very upset about. There's just too much of that influence um, in politics, which is a whole nother podcast that we could do. So you you learned, you heard, we we learned uh, about supply and demand when we were in high school at some point, right? The, the, the rudimentary basics of that. We learned a lot about it as 
housing costs uh, or costs for houses skyrocketed. Supply and demand, there's just not enough houses. So like, well, here's the thing. You have you have a hand in that. If you stop buying the things that are so goddamn expensive, which is, to be quite honest, a lot of fucking junk food, which is not good for your health, which is which could potentially, you know, make you go to the doctor more, that drives up those costs because healthcare, like all this stuff, as we talked about, everything is tied together. Everything is a chain link. It's 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 like an infinite chain link. Um, if you're complaining about like a five dollar bag of Doritos that your kid needs to eat uh, because that's the snack they like that they take to school, you're gonna have to pick another snack. Like get a store brand. Give that kid some fruit. Well, fruit doesn't last as long. Uh, find a way to make it. Like if you're going to complain so hard, and you have the right to because the prices are jaw-dropping and I, I I laugh at a lot of this like I laughed when I picked up that bag of hauls you got to change your habits and if you change your habits that's you know, probably the only thing that that's going to bring the prices back down so you can be a component in supply and demand you can be a part of the demand and if there's less of it there'll be more supply which means the prices will come down you got to change some of your habits and I, I get it. Like, I know I am I am a single person, no kids, no family. What I pay for is a lot different than 98% of people who are real pissed off, rightly so. Um, But it's like little behavior tweaks here and there. I haven't had coffee in two weeks. If I can do that, you can go from Doritos to store brand. Somewhat tongue-in-cheek there. It's now like... I know there's $1.99 chicken out there. Or like, hey, I, I'm i out of chicken, so let me go buy $2.99 chicken. Ah, but now I know that it's out there. So you know what? Your ass is just going to have a salad without chicken tonight until it goes on sale. It's these little behavioral tweaks that we can make. And it's a lot less painful than you think and a lot less taxing on your mental real estate than complaining wherever you do that. So I'm tired of we got to get away from, sorry, I am tired of, but we got to get away from, my kid won't eat that. That That's not a solution. Um. Oh, the other serious thing, Um. and, well, it was tied to a sports thing, so my favorite sports talk host started his show yesterday, and he has stayed away from social issues, like up and down for the last four years, but he started a show with the Kansas City shooting, which now, um, I haven't seen anything, and I haven't caught up this morning, was over a dispute. And I asked myself, is it, I think I, did I throw this out in the podcast yesterday? I apologize. Is it better or worse that it wasn't a school shooting type thing, ter- like terrorist event? And it was just a dumbasses who thought it was a good idea to have and use a gun with hundreds of thousands of people around. That was the serious thing, but it was glad to see. And um, my, the host I really like, he, he really didn't take sides. He didn't blame anybody. He said that. He's like, I don't blame. It's like, I want solutions. Um, and he, he, he threw possible solutions at, you know, like both sides. He's like, can't we make it harder to get a gun? Can't we help people who are in distress? He had a real, like, even, like, you know, I talk about my ab- objectivity. Um, he, he likes to say he's uh, America's sports honesty broker. It's a, a fun term. They're really, I haven't heard as a down the line, objective, pragmatic, opinion about the scourge of us killing ourselves with guns across this country um, like his take last night. Last thing, which also got, dives into a social issue. We, we know the Beyonce stuff, right? So, and I don't mean to use this 
horrific event in a hyperbolic way, in a hyperbolic way to just get attention or get clicks. If Beyonce's album is all country, um, first of all, it's a good play. She she tried she dance was the first what renaissance with uh Break My Soul. Um, because dance has been a popular thing for a decade now. EDM is mainstream, so good for her. You know, it's also super fucking popular. Country music, like I'll, I, I'm totally fine on Q105 playing these country crossover songs. Jelly Roll, ugh, Morgan Wallen, um, the, the Luke Combs song, which you know transcends genres. Maybe the next Jelly Roll song will be a big hit for us. So yeah, give me all the good music I can get. Um, so yeah, it's it's smart business by Beyonce, who is a very good businesswoman like Taylor Swift, to make um, songs in a genre that is very popular. Here's the part that I will say: Beyonce doing a fully country album in hopes of having her song, her songs proliferate country music radio, could be that format's George Floyd moment. What do I mean by that? George Floyd, George Floyd was kind of the moment where, granted, we were all sitting in our houses, but more people than ever said, this is gruesome. We need to make some serious changes. Um, and we had begun to do that. Um, Beyonce is tactical, not like Taylor Swift. There were social agendas going back to the Lemonade album. And if you are her and you can be an agent of positive change, do it. Otherwise, like, what good is really having all that popularity and and clout? Um, and it was great to see Taylor begin to do it as she got older. It's like for the same reason that young people don't get interested in streets and voting. It just doesn't affect you as much. But now that Beyonce is 40-something and Taylor's 34. So what do I mean by uh, country music's George Floyd moment of reckoning there is deep-seated racism in the format um i there was already a, a radio station i think in oklahoma a small a small privately owned radio station and whether it was beehive people or not they reached out and said are you going to play this song or why aren't you playing it um alluding to are you being racist by not playing this country this this big artist with a country song the director of the station said, we didn't even know about it. We weren't serviced it. It seemed to work out okay, but it was foreshadowing of what could come. Now, I think if Beyonce has a really good country song, um, the big cities are not going to shy away from it because there's more, and I hate the word progressiveness there. It's diversity. There, there are more people of different backgrounds, colors, genders, races, all of it in bigger cities. That's just the way it is. So Detroit, Philadelphia, New York, I don't even know if New York has a country station anymore. All the places where it makes sense. And if it's a big song, they're going to play it. I'm pretty certain of that. But in Toledo, in Grand Rapids, pretty, uh, in smaller towns, it's going to be, because I don't think those radio stations will be able to play the big Beyonce hit. Um, there is a young black woman who I think has had hits played on those stations before. I forget her name. The difference is, um, she was kind of an unknown. So, so record labels and the format could like sneak her in. 
like you didn't know the, the people that hate black people um, and don't want that on their their American radio station like uh, um, they didn't know that she was black or of color until they really liked the song and maybe they just had to make some they had to play with their moral compass like many of us do with Chris Brown and I hope you're not still listening to R. Kelly Kanye West that, that irks me um, but this is Beyonce. Everybody knows who Beyonce is. Everybody knows Beyonce is black. So when those people who want their outlaw country and they don't want women country artists, like this has been a big thing for a long time. Um, country music radio, and I guess the genre in general, has done its best to keep out women. Um, and this is like all the bro country stuff that happened in the in the tens, but they have never been very accepting, so far as I I I have pretty decent knowledge of female artists. Well, think how bad this is going to be if it's a female artist who's black. And I think Beyonce is intentionally doing this, as, I, as I've already said. I think she wants to do it because country is popular. I think she wants to do it to prove a point. I think she wants to drag all of these people who quietly listen to these stations who hate immigrants, gay people, trans, women, people, anything that isn't a white man. I think she wants to drag these people out of the closet, out of their rural homes or wherever, from shining up their guns with their Trump flags and their their stars and bars, Confederate flags, and their archaic mindsets the the people that were yelling at Taylor Swift with their knuckles dragging on the ground I think she wants to drag them out and have them show themselves and you know I'm all for that like please I want you to spout your racism your anti-semitism any of your isms so we know who you are so we can dismiss or ostracize you rather than me thinking Hey, I love, you know, Carl. Carl's a good dude. Always walking his dog. Says hi to me when he walks by. Oh, Carl has lots of Confederate flags in his house. Like, I want you to wave them for me because I don't want to associate with you. Unless I can go, bro, why do you have that up? Um, Country music radios, country music's George Floyd moment when Beyonce's album hits. Let's see what happens. Thanks for being here today. Told you, way shorter than yesterday. I need to make one final quick note here because um, I have a lot of friends in in radio who might work in these smaller markets but have um, worked in bigger places, but this is where they work and live now. I will not necessarily impugn them for not accepting Beyonce. It will be more their audience because they might want to put it on, but the outrage from their audience, yeah, so it's, it's not the programmers.